What up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the Heat Goes Grizzlies podcast. Isaac and Ken is here with you. And David, not going to be with us tonight. Uh, he's a little under the weather, uh, so we're going to be rolling. Uh, two-person team here tonight, man, but we're good to go. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies defeat the Dallas Mavericks 112-108. to Man, a wild game, man. Didn't look good there for a while. Uh, looked like this was just not going to be the Grizzlies' night, uh, especially early on in the game that Kyrie Irving, uh, going nuts in the first quarter. Uh, had a really good first quarter. It looks, just looked like this wasn't going to be the game for the Grizzlies, man. Couldn't make any shots. It just seemed like the Grizzlies were a step slow. Dallas was getting all kind of offensive rebounds. Grizzlies just couldn't get anything going, man. But uh, into that fourth quarter, man, the bench came in and, and, and really picked this team up. Shout out to Taylor Jenkins uh, for his lineup down the stretch. I think he did a fantastic job of, of how he handled this game, and they ended up getting a win, man. Candace, what, what did you think about the game last night? Man, it really was a crazy game. Now, I'll say this. When the game when the game started, while Kyrie was kind of going off, I feel like the Grizzlies still had a pretty good feel for it. I think they won that first quarter uh, and kind of lost that lead more towards the second quarter, if I'm not mistaken. So I sort of, you know, I, they were they were keeping pace because Jaron Jackson was, you know, eating yeah. in the beginning. Like, he started off and he was dominant. So, yeah, Kyrie was going off, and, <laughs> and it was just funny to me after Dylan had talked all that. I'm kind of going, all right, uh, Kyrie is <laughs> lighting it up. But, but man, Jaron Jackson was going so much that I was just like, you know, I think these things may pan out because they're, so, they're such a small team, and there's just nobody that can guard him on that team at all. Uh, so so that was good to see early on. But but then, man, those whistles got blowing, and we all know what happened with Jaron when those whistles get blowing and he gets in his head, man. And he definitely did that. In that third quarter, he was just out of it. I mean, he even has a, a dumb frustration foul. He's getting technical fouls. It was just it was fouls flying left and right. And, and don't get me wrong, some of those calls I disagree with. Uh, I thought they were uh, really a little bit too involved, to, to be honest, if you ask me. Uh, Tony Brothers does have a reputation, especially with the Grizzlies franchise. Yeah. But... um. But it, I was it was it was good to see the team overcome that. I think that's a huge thing, especially for Jaron. Uh he came into the game with five minutes left and he had five fouls. And it was good to see Taylor Jenkins trust him to bring him in before the two minute mark. Cause we've seen sometimes where like he won't bring him in until like, you know, is nothing really enough for him to do. Uh we brought him in the five minute mark, enough time for him to make an impact, and Jaron was able to guard Kyrie. Um, and a lot of ISO, uh, even and just smothered. Kyrie couldn't do anything, uh, with Jaron on him, and uh, ultimately ended up, uh, you know, a lot of plays down the stretch, but get them getting them that that win. Um, so just good to see the growth from him in a lot of those ways. You mentioned uh, Taylor Jenkins, and and I I, I want to give him a shout out. I'll give him a shout out shout out now. I've been hard on him. I've been frustrated with him, and he has proven. Um, in these last few games, in this last stretch, that he can be flexible, um, seeing different rotations, liking what he's doing. I think Luke Kennard is now the first guard off the bench, and I think that's made a lot of a difference. You see Kennard more in those closing lineups. That is, that's been critical for the Grizzlies as well. Um, just this overall, uh, you know, getting Jaron the ball in the post. You're seeing Taylor Jenkins on the sidelines in those last five-minute situations, making play calls uh, specifically was noticeable in his last game against the Dallas Mavericks. Um, things like real plays being run and you want to see that continue. So I am cautiously optimistic, but I, I got to get a guy credit when credit is due. He's made a lot of the changes that I was looking to see. Yeah. Any, anytime you see Tony brothers on that, on that <laughs> officiating staff, when it comes to the Grizzlies, man, it's probably not going to be a fantastic night officiating wise, but yeah, man, I want to give Jerry Jackson Jr. His flowers. I think if there's one positive to, 
this kind of situation of what they've been going through, job being out. I think it's Jerry Jackson Jr. and him flipping that switch. I mean, he's been fantastic um, on, on both ends of the floor. And I think one way to know that he's really playing on another level right now, the way he's been dunking the basketball. I don't think yeah. we've ever seen him dunk and finish uh, with ferocity the way we've been seeing him the, the last few games. But he's been fantastic. Like you say, he got cooking in that first half, uh, I mean, that first quarter, and just demanding the basketball. That's something that we've been asking for. And we've been seeing him doing that, clapping his hands, calling for the basketball, man, and just realizing that he's that dude and that nobody out here, I'm the baddest MF out here, Nobody can guard me, and he was playing like that in the first half, in the first quarter. I keep saying first half. Um, then in, in, in the middle of the game, he got kind of frustrated, got two fouls called. It was kind of out of character for him. Like, he was, like, ready to fight out there at times. I don't know if someone said something to him or one of the players, they were going back and forth, but he was a little bit out of character. Like, we've seen him get frustrated before, but he, he like it was even more than that. But Candace mentioned it going down the stretch. Uh, Taylor Jenkins trusted him, and he came back in with those five fouls, and wasn't like going away from it either, man. He was still playing same level of defense, wasn't going easy, man. Was able to play that whole fourth quarter uh, basically without fouling out of that game, uh, which is something that we haven't seen from him. So that's growth, man. That's definitely what you want to see. Uh, I, I thought that was fantastic. And so it was growth for him. Uh, Taylor Jenkins, like you said, man, trusted him to stay in the game. A lot of times when he picks up that fifth, he won't put him in for two or three minutes left in the game or four or five or say five minutes or under five minutes. And it's too late to, to kind of have an impact. So it was really nice to see that, as you said, man, got switched on to Kyrie a couple times, and they just cut his water off, whether it was Jaron or, or Dylan. He just couldn't get nothing, anything going. He tried to take over uh, late in that game, man, and I think he went for like 0-5, 0-6 mm-hmm. or, or something in that quarter, man. Couldn't get anything going, and I think that was fantastic. Uh, Shout-out to Bryson Wright. He, he posted the video. I think it was it was at All-Star Weekend, and Jaron and Kyrie were kind of – at the, at the practice, we're kind of going back and forth, trying to guard each other, talking about what they would do if they were in that situation. I thought that was interesting. It actually came down to the situation in this game, but I think Jared did a, a fantastic job. But I want to talk about the bench uh, because they don't win this game if if not for the bench. Uh, I think Luke Kennard, plus 18 um, in this game, is the highest on the team um, actually coming out that bench. And I want to give Contrar his flowers as well, man. He's taking a lot of a lot of heat here over the last few weeks, but he, he made some plays in that game. They end up with seven rebounds. Um, and when he plays like that, I don't have any problem with it. It's just lately he hasn't even been doing that. People talk about the rebounding. He was able to do that. Coastal plays. I remember one play yeah. where he got the offensive rebound. I think he got fouled, uh, kept that play alive. I mean, and, and also, something out dumb, man, off the bench. 22 points, 14 rebounds, man, two assists, six to 12 assisted, uh, knocked down two threes. Eight or nine from the free throw line in 28 minutes. Just a big time, big time performance for Slim Spain, man. And if it, again, if it wasn't for this bench, they don't win this game. They come in and pick the team up, and the starters came in and finished them off, man. Uh, but talk about what, Candace, what were your thoughts on the bench coming in and the big work that they did in that fourth quarter? Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to be, not to do anything but sing their praises. But, but actually, I, I wanted to make one more point on the Jaron, you know, versus Kyrie thing. Uh, and, and one was, it, I go back to a few episodes, actually, where we talked about Jaron and kind of, you know, talking about how he really wasn't a guy who, um, I remember you guys were saying he he's not really a guy who, uh, you know, he's unselfish, right? He doesn't really care if he gets the yeah. ball or not. But, and I was more like, I think he actually wants the ball, but I mean, he's unselfish. He's a team guy, so he's just not going to ask for it like that or he's not going to demand the ball. 
but I just see the night and day difference with him when he gets when he gets going offensively. It is night and day even on the defensive end. And it's this this is just a prime example of that. I think he really enjoys being an offensive piece for this team. Um, I just don't know if he I don't know if he just doesn't have the confidence to go ask for it. But but like you mentioned before, this was the first I mean, he was he was actively calling for the ball and and actively, you know, just with complete really a different personality, like you said. Um, so I just wanted to point that out and that it's something to continue to monitor, but especially when when uh when Ja comes back to see how that dynamic, if that changes at all. But and, and one more thing I wanted to point out about Kyrie is, you know, with him kind of doing that whole takeover thing, it was almost like watching the Jago get a bucket offense for yeah. the Bulls. <laughs> it really was. I mean, I, I'm looking at this this box score and I'm seeing Kyrie had not a single assist. And uh, I, I just find that interesting, <laughs> especially down the stretch. Uh, it it kind of made it easy on the on the um, the Grizzlies defense there in terms of guarding Kyrie, uh, since they knew he wasn't gonna pass the ball. But uh, but anyway, man, back to this bench. Uh, a phenomenal job, I think. Phenomenal, job, especially Santi Adamo was just incredible, and it was really great to see. You know, given everything the Grizzlies have gone through, Stephen Adams going down. Brandon Clark going down, all the drama with the team. It was nice to see the bigs of the future, and really Jaron is the present, but the bigs of the future really step up in this way. And then I know Dallas is a small team, and you could throw that caveat in there. I understand that, but we played small teams before and been out rebounded like the Warriors happens all the time. So it was great to see Santi get 22 and 14. And for me, it's the 14 rebounds that stand out. I mean, I, I, I don't, that was a career high. Correct? It had yeah, to I don't even have to look that up. I know it had to be a career <laughs> for sure. Had to be. I don't remember anything close to that. I mean, just a- absolutely dominant. And just the the attitude for, for Santi when sometimes when he's kind of put in those positions, when Jaron fouls out, sometimes he's a little timid. Sometimes he's a little, you can kind of tell he's out, he's uncomfortable. He's out of place. And to be honest, Santi had been in a little bit of a slump. He had yeah. been struggling man to, to sort of get shots going and and even early in the game like he just didn't look like i mean i kind of saw him i was like ah doesn't look like Santi's <laughs> Santi's gonna be coming out of his uh his shooting slump at all tonight and when jaron went to sit down in the foul trouble and you can kind of see the the string unraveling almost for the team i don't know what switched i really don't but i don't know if somebody said somewhere if he decided he wouldn't gonna lose his i mean he wouldn't gonna uh have this team lose his game but he put the team on his back for all intents and purposes to, to get them out of this hole. And like I said, Conchar made some critical, critical plays. Give him some credit. I'm hard on Conchar. I am, but good to see him contribute, uh, you know, with those hustle plays. I mean, I'm with you. I mean, if he can do that and he can, I mean, he played 18 minutes and those 18 minutes were positive minutes. I mean, that's, that's what I want to see from John Conchar. I want to see him playing those minutes less minutes but when he's playing you get more out of him more hustle plays more glue guy things more you know that's that's really who he is and that's the value that I think he brings to this team so it was good to see him um do that and do it so well um because he really did do a good job of that um man just uh just the continuity I think that I saw with the bench and the uh I don't know man they just had a spark some energy you know Brandon Clark is normally that energy guy and you just kind of saw the bench each of them kind of bring their own level of that energy and and help get the Grizzlies back in the game. Yeah, you talk about that bench, man. Everybody on the bench a plus and a plus minus. The only guy in the plus in the starting lineup was Tyus Jones. And you talk about Santi Aldama. Um, he had been struggling, uh, like you said, man. Really been struggling to find his offense. His three point shot hadn't been falling, and 
Even Tyus kind of really carried this offense in that, in that third quarter when Jerry was on the bench and they were struggling and looked like this was turning into kind of a might be a blowout for the Mavericks. Dante mm-hmm. and Tyus kept kept them going with the offense. They were timely shots here and there. Uh, they they didn't get a lot of continuity in the offense in that third quarter, but when they did make the shots, it was mostly Sonny and Tyus Jones getting it done. And when I think about to that Tyus Jones sign, I mean, I think where would this team be without Tyus Jones? Uh, we know how much how much time Jaws missed over, over the years, and Tyus has just really come in there and been able to fill in and not just fill in. I mean, think more than that. I mean, he when 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 John, when, when John is out, man, he puts up numbers like a starter. I mean, you look at yeah. this: sixteen points, two rebounds. Six assists, a steal, super efficient, seven to ten from the floor, knocked down two threes, uh, played a big thirty-five minutes. Uh, that's that's big time minutes for for Taylor Jenkins. Uh, plus seven, um, in in the plus minus, and Tyus has just been phenomenal. I mean, he had about a month and a half going back. I think December, January, <clears throat> excuse me, where he really struggled. Uh, but he's come all the way out of that, man. He's just been a revelation for this team to to be able to help them carry. Me and David talked about this, I think, on, on the last. Uh, the, the podcast uh, after the Warriors game that how calm he is in running the offense. Like he doesn't get sped up. He, he almost always makes the right pass. He knows he's really good at deciding when to go to his offense and when to pass the ball. I think last game had 14 assists mm-hmm. um, and no turnovers um, in, in the game against the Warriors. I mean, just fantastic basketball being played by Tyus Jones. Um, and another thing that I noticed um, in the last three games, this team had really struggled um, in four quarters. And yeah. you look at these last three games, the San Antonio plus 12 for a quarter, uh, Golden State Warriors plus 10 for a quarter, and last night plus 17 um, in, in the fourth quarter. Just fantastic numbers. And you think about that Golden State game and how kind of ended. these were very similar. I mean, Golden State could not make a shot. I mean, you had Clay and the guys bombing away. They're just brick and brick, 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 brick. And we kind of saw the same thing with Kyrie uh, there in the fourth quarter uh, against Dallas. And that's something that you want to see uh, because a team – struggling in the fourth quarter and you're you're on your way into the playoffs, that's not what you want to see because those four quarters are going to be crucial. And this team has really kind of turned that around. Uh, but we kind of mentioned something earlier about we were talking about Jared Jackson Jr. And Ja uh, was making his return tomorrow night. Well, what, what are your thoughts on, do you think what we've seen with Jared, is this something that can continue with Ja back in the lineup? Because that's the thing. I mean, adding a guy like Ja back in, man, that's a big difference. I mean, this team is really been clicking here as of late. But you had a guy like Ja back in, that changes everything. Um, it changes roles. And Ty Jones going to be back as the backup point guard, we think. Uh, there, there's some thought that Ja Morant w- would come off the bench. I'll believe that when I see it. Uh, but it's going to change a lot because you, we know we talk about Ja go get a bucket in the fourth quarter. And it's been more team basketball, team-oriented, instead of you going to one guy late in these games. And we've had some close games, and I think they've spread the ball around. It's been – a multitude of guys doing it, not just one guy. Well, what are your thoughts of them kind of adding job back into this and the effect that it could have on Jaron and in the offense as a whole? Man, I sure hope they can put it together. I mean, seriously, because we go through this every year. I mean, every single year, Ja goes out for a stretch. Jaron steps up, and, and wow, I think each time he gets his own stint, it seems to be an increase in play. Like, I don't think he's ever had yeah. four games of 25-plus before, and that's no. new. But – but we've seen this all the time. And then Ja comes back and it goes back and, and, and Jaron slowly reverts back into being in the corner. And it has a lot to do with the screen the, because the screen game, they've been utilizing Jaron off the of screens a lot. And that's been a key weapon in these games, especially in the fourth quarter, going to Jaron in the half court 
has been a, a tremendous asset. I mean, they don't really have much offense at this point, kind of outside of that. Um, that's still something they struggle in, but but the the emergence of Jaron in the post or, you know, get just feeding Jaron has really helped uh facilitate offense when there really wouldn't otherwise be some. And you gotta hope that I'll say this, my only optimism that this time will be different is that Steven Adams is out. And that would be Jai's go-to guy. If Steven Adams was healthy, if he was back, I'd be very afraid that we're going to see more of the same. But somebody's going to have to set screens for Jai. And while Xavier Tillman can set screens, um, and he can, he can do that well, I still think that with Jai with, with seeing how important Jaren was to the screen game and that offense, I really hope that's something he's paying attention to. I, you kind of even saw at the end of the game, you know, when Jaron gets sort of the game ceiling bucket there, uh, Jai's doing the the call. He's always he's really doing call thirteen uh, on a call, not call yeah. celebration. And, and you kind of hope that he recognizes that, and he doesn't have to just be him, man. You can you can really feed Jaron, and, and maybe this this stretches help change some of his his mindset about it. And I know he's the one who's asked to come off the yeah. he seems like he seems to be uh almost more comfortable with that I, I i got my my separate thoughts about that in and of itself but if that's the case man it may be just because part of him is recognizing that you know the ball movement the feeding jaron maybe he's not and maybe feel like it'll take him a minute for him to adapt back to that or, or i don't know but uh I, i'm a little bit more optimistic than normal but um Man, if we can just get these two guys going at the same time, <laughs> that's a championship on Bill. I'm sorry. It just is because that's just how great Jaron is. Yeah, you hope so. Um, and as you said, Ja was the one that asked to, to come off the bench. So I think his thinking is I'm watching these guys and this is working. And I don't yeah. want to come back and throw a monkey wrench in this and kind of change what, what's going on. But right. as you said, if you can get both of those guys going at the same time and – just for for years, ever since they've been together, I've always said, man, I said last summer, and unfortunately, Jaron had to go down with the injury, that they could just lock themselves in a gym and throw away a key and just get in there and work, 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 man. There's so much that they could unlock with these two guys together. Because if they're both, if you get Jaron playing at the level he's been playing and John playing at his maximum level, like you said, man, this you, you're talking about the sky's the limit type of stuff. That's two guys right there that, I mean, you – there's nothing the defense can do anything about when, when they're both going the way they've been going. Uh, so you hope that that doesn't, doesn't change anything. I think one positive that you look at the schedule, uh, like, I mean, you got two games against one of the worst teams in the league here on your home floor coming up. So I think that gives you an opportunity to kind of work through some of this stuff. Uh, because you, these are, these are two games that you have no business losing either one of these games. So maybe they can get in there against, against a, a subpar team, even though you never know night to night in the NBA, uh, things get hot, things get happen, but you hopefully they can work on, on some of that stuff. Um, and I think Bain, um, even though his, his three point shot hasn't been what it was. I mean, he struggled last night. They won him seven, one but seven, I mean, he's, yeah. yeah, he's started taking the basketball to the goes to take the ball to the basket, like a running back. And I think he's going to that even more than the three point shot right now. Yep. And he's super effective at that. Like, some of those ones, I was like, there's no way he's going to get that in. Some of those angles, and somehow he gets it to go, man. Just gets through the defense. It'll be three guys converging on him, and he'll find a way to get it in. Uh, so, I mean, we, it, it's coming down to home stretch. We got 12, 11 games left yeah. for the playoffs. And um, 
Sacramento took a uh, unexpected loss tonight, took a shorthanded Jazz team to finally hang a L on them. Uh, so the Grizzlies took over sole possession of second place, and they got Boston at home tonight. So you hopefully Boston can can go down there and get a win, man, put the Grizzlies a game and a half up, and you're going against Houston tomorrow night, get that win, and you can find yourself two games up. Uh, man, yeah, I think that's big. getting that second seed is – I mean, it's it's, it's, it's going to be crazy. Yeah, it, it's going to be crazy, though. I mean, I was looking at the standings last night. I mean, you got seven teams down there at the bottom of the West fighting for three spots. Like, it could go any kind of way. I was talking to someone about Dallas earlier today, and there's not even a guarantee that Dallas makes the play in. Like, they're only, like, one game up in the play on. I was looking at their schedule. They got a tough schedule down the stretch, man. It's going to be really, really interesting. And people talk about the Lakers. Doesn't look like they're going to get LeBron back. Maybe there was some kind of set back there. So that's going to be a dogfight down there at the bottom of the league. So there's so many different scenarios on, on who the Grizzlies could end up playing um, in, in the first round. But when you kind of look at those teams, uh, who what, what team would, do, would you like to face uh, if you were the Grizzlies? What team do you think would be the best matchup? Uh well, teams I look for I I well not look I'll just say I teams I prefer to play I, I wouldn't mind playing Kings I know they have an elite offense but the defense it's just not there I think I think uh, and also that's a team that can't they can't do anything with Jaron they they we've seen that when they when they feed Jaron and play the Kings they win it's that simple uh Dallas is a team that's just too small without Porzingis uh and I know Luca plays a, a, a slow brand of basketball and I know when it's Luca the playoffs you, you don't want to. You know, that's not really somebody you, you, you like playing, but but him and Kyrie still haven't figured out their dynamic and 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 how they how they want to facilitate. So you don't you really don't even I think I don't think you maximize Luca with Kyrie because they're both so ball dominant. And so uh, I, that's not something that that I I really am worried by. Um Timberwolves don't scare me. Uh I don't Timberwolves don't scare me. I'm not one that believes we should play the Warriors. I know a lot of people want to play these yeah, Warriors. I'm, I'm and they want to play them not in the, the first, first round. round. No, no. That's I understand that. <laughs> I respect that. That's easier said than done. I'm not yeah. interested. I am not interested because the Warriors <laughs> don't beat the Grizzlies because I believe the the the, the Grizzlies are a more talented team in my yeah. opinion. Even yeah, though I'm not even thing, high, for me, yeah, it's a mental thing. I'm not even high on this roster, but they're a better team than the Warriors. <laughs> um, but but man, they. It's the it's the mental edge, and they can't they can't overcome that. And given everything they're coming out of, a mental battle is just not not in the first round. <laughs> not in the first round. I'm not I'm not I'm not scared of the Warriors. I just if there's somebody who can easily know how to get Dylan Brooks on the bench and Jaron Jackson on the bench, it's Draymond and well, I think even Clay. I mean, Steph to some extent knows how to kind of use Dylan's aggressive aggressiveness against him when he wants to. But but man, uh no, I'm good on that. But I say that, that to me, that's who stands out in terms of, you know, happy to do that. Uh what about what about you though? Yeah, I, I get the sentiment uh to the to the Grizzlies fans that, that want the Warriors in the first round because they just want to get over that hump. You're tired of all the back and forth, the talking, talking about we ain't got no rings. We never beat them in anything that matters, even though they beat them in a the play in. But uh, I, I, I get that sentiment, but if if you can have somebody else knock them out in the first round, man, let them do that. Like right. because that's a, even if the Grizzlies win that series, it's going to be taxing. It's going to be a hard, probably seven game series. They're going to be put through it. You're going to be tired going into the second round. That's just not what you want. And I don't feel like dealing with their fans on social media because you know how that was the last time we played. Yeah. That's going to be insane if you're playing with them. But I, I do believe the Grizzlies can beat them. One yeah. thing that that makes me feel good about that, you, you talk about that that mental block. 
it seems like Jaron might have finally broken through that. In the last couple games, he's really done a good job going up against Gray- Draymond. And I think maybe he's finally broken through that. I think that's been one of their big hurdles in playing the Warriors is Jaron just hasn't been Jaron um, in, in those games. And maybe he's finally broken through that because he didn't look timid or scared or anything in that matchup. I know that's the record, record season, but the last two times they played him, he's had a pretty good game. So maybe he's broken through that. Um, I, I think Dallas, of the teams that they could possibly play in the first round, I think Dallas is probably the one I would pick. I know people talk about Luka and Kyrie, and that's been a bad matchup historically for the Grizzlies, but I personally think that Kyrie trade, I think they're worse. I, I think they were a better team before that. You losing Dorian Finney-Smith was a huge loss defensively for them. They don't have any size in the front court. I mean, Powell and those guys, they can't stop Jaron. I think we saw that last night. They did a pretty oh, yeah. good job in those first two games, but if Jaron is being Jaron, they're – there's nothing that they can do to stop him. And I think Jared is kind of the key to, I think, the ceiling of this team. You pretty much know what you're going to get from Ja when he's right um, and these other guys. I think Jared being on that level is what unlocks the ceiling for this team. And against Dallas, I think he could be that guy. I think he'd have a big-time series against Dallas. I just don't think they have any answers. I mean, Luka and Kyrie are just going to try to outscore you. Uh, but you got to at some point, you got to get stopped. And I just don't think they're going to be able to do that on a playoff level. Uh, Minnesota, um, I don't love that matchup because it's just it's just been a weird matchup for the Grizzlies. I'm not scared of them, but I I, I would rather not play them. I'm I better, think Dallas I'm and Clippers. I'm better yeah, with think, them this year. They're they're very yeah yeah, but yeah, they're definitely a better matchup this year for sure. I just if I had to pick, I think I'd pick Dallas and I think the Clippers. I just even though they have Kawhi and Paul George, it's just for some for some reason that team just doesn't work. I just think it's a bunch of guys that don't fit together, um, and they just they don't play well on the road. Uh, they, it's the team. I, I just I don't fear the Clippers at all. Um, I, that's not a team that I worry mm-hmm. about. And if you go lower than that, you're talking about the Lakers and, and people oh, talk about okay, the Lakers. See. Lakers. Okay, see in Utah apparently right now in the playing. Yeah, that's and, and I, I made a joke about it the other day that uh, what it'd be funny if OKC and Utah made the play in, but that, that's a possibility that, that could happen. How crazy yeah. would that be if those two teams, two teams that people thought were probably tanking, um, end up in the play in? That would probably mean some of the the bigger name teams aren't in the play-in uh, like the Lakers. I, I think it's going to be tough for the Lakers. If they can't get LeBron back here, which it doesn't look like they are, there's a possibility they miss out. Um, and they're talking all kind of big talk, talking about they if they get matched up with the Grizzlies or the Nuggets, they got it. And then you, I was like, you got to get in the playoffs first before you start yeah. talking like that. But, um, right. but yeah, man, it, it's going to be an interesting uh, gauntlet uh, for, the, for those teams at 6-12 or whatever. It's like 17 for three spots. And it could end up any kind of way, and you have no idea who you could play. That's why the jockeying for position this year might not be as big of a thing because you there's a lot of different ways this could go, and I think it's going to go down to the last couple days of the season. You're not going to really know who you're going to play because it's tiebreakers are going to come into effect. There's going to be all kind of wild stuff um, down the stretch and how this plays out. Um, right. But we talked about Taylor Jenkins, and we touched on him earlier. Um, it seems like he's turning the corner. Uh, we talked about maybe in the past that maybe he was saving something for, for playoff time and, and maybe he was holding back. He does seem to be coaching a, a lot better here down the stretch. And, and you, he, you're definitely going to need him on the top of his game going to playoffs as opposed to anything else. First, you need him to be the guy uh, that he needs to be. We've been calling him Tyler Jenkins because that's what they were calling him on the broadcast the other night. And <laughs> people say Tyler Jenkins is the one that we need. Taylor can stay at home, man. We need Tyler Jenkins <laughs> out there. And Tyler last night, the way he kind of used those rotations and stuck with Jaron, 
Um, how important is, is, is Taylor Jenkins going to be for this team going into the playoffs and how much of him determines what this team feeling is? I think a lot. I, dare I say as much as, as Jaron Jackson Jr.'s? I, I think it's pretty equal in terms of unlocking the, the ceiling for this team because part of it is uh, for Taylor, not Tyler. <laughs> for, <laughs> for part of it, the problem has been not utilizing Jaron. And all the things that you could do with Jaron Jackson Jr. that have just been outright refused to be experimented up until recently here, um, really getting calls for him and really featuring him the way that you should. And you can see the difference. It just seems like automatic W's because Jaron is just such a mismatch, man. The way he's been playing, it kind of goes hand in hand. And then it goes, for me, the adjustments are critical, uh, especially when you're going up a team like the Warriors. All for all the folks that want first round picks against <laughs> Uh, you want to play the first from the first round against the Warriors? All right, um, that's a real test about if Taylor Jenkins is 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 better or not, because it can be the difference in the games, man. You you, you want to see you want to see the play calling change, you want to see the rotations change, and in my opinion, you want to see the defensive schemes change because you know at one point I'm watching the game, this I think it, uh, the like yeah the most recent game, and I I even said it out, I tweeted it out, I said well everybody's switching and it's killing them. They're, they're switching and it's leaving a bunch of wide open threes for the Dallas Mavericks. And they're just, yeah. they're just buckets. And it's not like it wasn't one of those situations where the defensive scheme is everybody crashed the paint and, you know, league wide open. You could tell they were trying to get to their guys, but it was just Dallas Mavericks players on the perimeter quick enough, quick footed enough, be able to get their, get the release off and, and get a wide open three before anybody could switch on them. And they just kept happening over and over and over again. And I think actually at some point he did change that. But that's the kind of stuff you need. You need strategy changes. You know, when things aren't working, change your defensive schemes. You need more flexibility. Or if you, you can you can stuck you can be stuck in wait a whole game to change it if you want to, but then you're gonna lose that game and that could be yeah. like that's it it's it's everything. It's just as much Jaron, Ja, um, it's Jenkins. Man, a lot of J's. All right. <laughs> yeah, and another day, Dayton Hardy uh, was the one that was really, yeah, on them, man, man, on, on those screens, man. He, he was just cooking them. Um, uh, in that second and third quarter, man, they just couldn't get a, get, couldn't get a hold of him. Um, he's been a, a night, matchup nightmare for him in all three of these games. Uh, but man, that was a a big time victory. And I think you go back to that San Antonio game, a game where you were down by twenty nine points in the third quarter. You look at this game; I think you were down twelve uh, at the end of the third quarter here. And if the Grizzlies do hold on to that second seed, I think you got to look back at these two games as ones that were really important uh, because they were two games that you were supposed to win. I mean, they were eight-and-a-half-point favorites, I think, in San Antonio, and I think five-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. So you really – those with the situation they were in being shorthanded, any game that you were supposed to win or favored to win or on paper you say this is a game you should win, you you need they need to win them um, at, at this point with the way Sacramento had been playing. And able to be able to pull out both of those games that look extremely improbable, be able to pull out both of those, I think that's really good. But to go back to, to Jenkins, I think in the playoffs, like you said, man, adjustments are paramount. Um, that's what the playoffs are. It's like a chess match. Um, you're going back and forth. One team makes adjustments. You counter with your adjustments. because And you got to do that all game. I mean, it's a game of chess much more than it is in the regular season. And we've even seen some struggles with that in the regular season. So that that's something that has to be tightened up and something that I think we have to see for this team to reach their ceiling. Um, I think teams have figured out to go get a bucket job. That's why we haven't seen that work as much this season because I think teams are sitting on that now. Uh, they've seen 
a couple of years of that, and they're like, man, we're not going to let him beat us. We're going to force them, someone else to beat us, force them to shoot outside shots. And that's what you see in a lot of these close games. And if Ja can't finish at the, at the rim, like he has, especially depending on what Steven Adams' status is, I think that makes it even tougher for him. Yeah. That's not going to work, man. You're going to have to find other guys to to make shots. And I think bringing in Luke Kennard was kind of their thinking in that. And and getting Luke Kennard and Desmond Bain on the floor at the same time, I think they should always really be on the floor at the same time. I don't think – I don't really like any lineups with them out. I think anytime Luke Kennard is in the game, I think Desmond Bain should be in the game. That's kind of my opinion on that because I think that really – it maximizes Luke Kennard for this team um, and, and what he brings to the table for this team because I think that opens up – lanes that opens up everything to this team to have two shooters, two of the best premier shooters in the in the league right now. But uh, I definitely want to shout out, send a shout out to Luke Kennard, man. He knocking down threes, man, getting rebounds last night. Um, he put it on the floor one time, took it to the basket. I don't think we had really seen that finished at the rim because I think he was only shooting like 25% uh, from, from two um, and shooting like 40-plus from three. Uh, I think 50-plus from better. three. You got yeah, a little bit better in these past couple games. But because yeah. Hit a couple like free throw line shots too yeah. that went in, but but yeah, it's not it's not been often. I agree. <laughs> so sure. yeah, man, I I think he's a a piece that could really change the dynamic for this team, especially you going up against a team like the Warriors. And for this season, the Grizzlies in the matchups that they've been playing, I think out outside of one, I think in three of them, they outshot the Warriors from three. And I think that's a a big thing because if if you outshoot the Warriors from three, you're usually going to win those games because that's how they beat teams. They if, especially if you talk about a team like the Grizzlies, a team that doesn't knock down a lot of threes. If you're out shooting them from threes, and you, especially if you got Steven Adams in there, that means you're out shooting them from three. You probably got more possessions than them too with offensive rebounds. That that bodes really well, I think, for a series against the Warriors. I feel good about this team. I think this is the year that if they match up with the Warriors, I think they finally get over that hump and knock them out. I mean, that's something that you had to go for, go through. I mean, we've seen teams back in the day. Um, if you're talking about going about the old Bulls back in the day, they had the Pistons, they had to get past. We've just seen that in the past from teams that there's a hump that you had to get over. And I think the Golden State Warriors are that hump for the Grizzlies. And I think if they match up, I think this is the year it happens. And it just feels almost inevitable. Somewhere, whether it's in the first round or the second round, these two teams are going to match up. And, man, I, I, I don't know if their fan base can take it. If the Grizzlies beat them in a series, I don't, I don't know what They'd have some kind of excuse for it. Uh, oh, no, but, they would just go back to the four rings thing. I feel, I mean, everybody thinks yeah, it's going to shut up the Warriors fans. It's never, it's never yeah, going right. to shut up the Warriors fans. They're just going to say, win a ring first. It doesn't, I mean, that's that's the thing that frustrates me about that. They, the goalpost movement you're right. is yeah. just extreme. And if you beat them once, then they're still just going to pretend like you didn't beat them and that's a better team because they've got four rings. Yeah. But they're old enough to have four rings. All right. Like, <laughs> our dudes just got here. Like, I know. Right? And that's the thing, man. Step and those guys, they were like 26, 27 before yeah. they won a championship. These guys are still super young. Like, they haven't been in it long enough to, to win rings. But we're talking about right now, though. Like, I get it. Like, y'all have done all that, but that's not happening right now. So, I know you got one last year, but, but you're right. Like, if they beat them in a the second round series and then the Grizzlies went on and lost in the Western Conference Finals, they still be talking about, well, get a ring first, yeah. like whatever. But it, it's, it. it's crazy, it's man. You be. never – this fan full of like 13-, 12-year-olds, trolls, bots. I mean, their fan base is ridiculous. Like if you go in some of their spaces uh, after the game, man, it's, they're cussing each other out. They're, they're, they're in fighting between each other. They're arguing about the Lakers. I mean, it's 
nuts, man. So shout out to the guys that run the spaces for the Grizzlies. They do a fantastic job. You jump yeah, in some of these other DJ. ones, man. It's it's wild, man, in, in some of these other ones. But uh man, I, I don't have much else, man. Uh just a, a, a nice come back come from behind victory for the Grizzlies, one twelve, one oh eight. Uh when the schedule came out, you looked at this schedule three or four months ago and you saw those three Mavericks games, you're like, man, that's gonna be a tough stretch. But as I say, yeah. you never know how that's gonna play out and they end up getting all three of these games um, against a division of opponents. So that's big. Schedule lightens up. You got two against the Rockets. Um, you're at Atlanta on Sunday. I think you got the Orlando. Magic, yep, Orlando. The then magic. you got uh, two, two with the Clippers. Clippers, yep. So I think they got an opportunity to make some a move here on, on the Kings. The Kings schedule gets a little bit tougher here. Hopefully they take a loss tonight. You find yourself – you can find yourself up two – Two games, um, on a full two games on on Sacramento by the end of tomorrow night if this plays out the way the Grizzlies would like it to. So, uh, but we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up here, man. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore underscore NBA I S A A C underscore underscore NBA. You can get the show at Ethos Grizzlies. Go over there and give us a like and a follow. Uh, Candace, let them know where they can find you. Yep, you can find me at uh, Twitter at, at CandaceH901. Um, and we got we hope that you guys have enjoyed the show. Look forward to seeing the return of Jai. That is a huge deal for this team. And we'll be at your post game with some information on that. Uh, excited about this stretch. Grizz got a great chance to make a run here, like Isaac said. And uh, I think that's it. Uh, I, I, Isaac, from here, take us out. Yeah, man, 12. 12 will be back uh, on the floor tomorrow night. Uh, I, I think he'll be in the starting lineup. I don't I don't believe any of that. He could possibly come off the bench. I'll believe that when I see it. I think when they are now starting lineup, 12 will be in their starting lineup tomorrow night if I had to bet. Uh, but but good to get him back. And again, man, to work him back in, I don't think there's a better team that you could be playing, getting two games at home uh, against the Rockets to kind of work through some of this stuff. But I'm excited um, about this final stretch. Excited to see how the West standings play out, uh, who the Grizz are going to match up with in the first round. And hopefully you get Steven Adams back, man. Um, I noticed that he's wearing some kind of brace or something yeah. um, on, on his knee now. He wasn't wearing that before. So that's kind of interesting. I hope there hasn't been any kind of setback or anything like that because they really need him. I mean, he changes his team completely uh, with what he brings with, with the screen setting, offensive rebound, and open up lanes for Ja. Uh, just, he, he just brings a different dynamic. And when you look at the, this team, people would think, and I know this sounds crazy, but he might even be more important to this this offense than Ja. And I know that sounds insane, but anybody that knows this team deeply and watches this team, they will understand what I mean by that. I mean, he just does everything for this offense. And this team is built around getting second-chance points, and that's when they're at their best. And he's the catalyst of that. So get them back, I think, especially when you're going to be in half-court basketball, the game's going to slow down. You're really going to need him out there. So, man, get 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 right, big fella, man. We're definitely going to need you back out there. But, again, you get the show at Ethos Grizzlies. Give us a like and a follow. Uh, we'll be back with a post game. We've got two games coming up on the Rockets. We'll probably do a double post game out of both of those games. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, for Ken, uh, this has been Isaac Simpson. So next time, we go.